Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Take advantage of what you feel right now. Amen. Because not what we feel is not because we're just standing in this house. Some of what we feel, in addition to the presence of the Lord, is just the energy or the spiritual synergy, I might add, that just comes with being in the house of the Lord together. We can sing these songs at home and we can pray these prayers at home and maybe they just wouldn't have the same exact feel. But I'm thankful that we're in this place and I'm thankful that we are together here tonight. Amen. Let's pray over the word and ask God to just touch this word to our heart tonight. I I just want to take a journey this evening and uh, just through some scripture I've been reading in addition to my daily reading just reading back through the book of Acts again, and uh, what, an empow- what an empowering and challenging scriptures that we find there. Amen. Lord, I love you today, and I ask you now for your strength and for your guidance. I pray, Lord, that you would just anoint all of our minds together this evening, that we would stand not just in a geographical place together, but I pray that we would stand in a spiritual place together. And that your word, that anointed word, let it touch our hearts and our lives as never before. I pray, God, that you can just, as you have on many occasions, allow scales to fall from our eyes and help us to see these powerful truths even more clearly. And I pray that they will shine throughout transparently, Lord, our heart and our soul. And to the marrow of the bone, I pray, God, that we can understand your word in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I was thinking about an old song this morning. I've kind of been humming it over and over in my mind. Throughout the day, let me feel your spirit one more time. And reassure me, Lord, that I am thine. There's just something about the Spirit and the presence of the Lord that I I find very humbling. And uh, I've many times said that God could have just given His Word and it would have been enough. But He appealed to the very nature of who we are, understanding that we are all fearfully and wonderfully made. And so he knows what it takes to satisfy each and every one of us. And uh, I'm thankful that I can find that satisfaction in the presence of the Lord. I'm thankful that uh, a service doesn't have to be titled in order for me to receive something from it. I can just come into a presence of the Lord or his service no matter what it may be. And there we can find the strength and the hope that we need to just forge forward in life. You know, there's nothing that validates the Word of God 
quite like the demonstration of His Spirit and His power and presence. It's one thing to uh, have somebody receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost that has kind of grown up in close proximity to the Holy Ghost and they've heard this language all their lives and maybe as a child they kind of grow up under the umbrella of um, this kind of preaching and teaching and worship and praise. But when you see the Lord just kind of reach outside of the boundary of someone who has ever experienced anything akin to Pentecost and then just touch their heart and enlighten their eyes and their lives, uh, their minds, that is, to me, that is just uh, a double validation of the presence and the power of the Lord. To see children, for instance, that who know nothing about perhaps anything to do with the Scripture. They can't really rightly divide and connect the truth of the Word of God, but yet they respond to what they feel. And in their innocence and in their response, the Spirit of God begins to manifest itself and speak through them, and that's always encouraging. This morning and the last several days, as a matter of fact, during the, the, the year so far, I've made my second journey reading the book of Acts again, just in addition to other things. But in reading the book of Acts, uh, I, just, I just want the Lord to open something to our heart here tonight. I'm just going to share with you, I feel like, what the Lord has shared with me today and let the Spirit of God just perhaps speak something into our lives. Um, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I want you to turn to Acts 10. And uh, we're just going to camp out here for a little while and just pray that the Spirit of God can touch our hearts. Listen, if God's Word can't touch me and you, then we're in trouble. Amen. I want the Word of God alone to be enough to just speak into my heart. The 10th chapter of Acts introduces us to an incredible, an incredible story about the conversion of a man and his household. And for many of you, this is a very familiar journey. It's a well-worn path. But I'll promise you tonight that it's not so worn that it's worn out. Amen. It's not so well-worn that it is old and lost its savor. The Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 10 and verse number 1, I'm going to do a lot more reading than I normally do, but just bear with me tonight. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour. The Bible says the ninth hour of the day the angel of God coming in to him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one, Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel of the Lord spoke unto Cornelius, and when the angel which spoke unto Cornelius was departed, 
He called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto him, he sent them to Joppa. On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. And he saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth. Wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spoke unto him again the second time. What God hath cleansed, that call thou not common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. And while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which is surnamed Peter, lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. What an incredible story. Amen. I know many here tonight have read this many times. But I just beg of you this evening, let's just slow down life for just a moment. And let's just realize the magnitude and the beauty of this story. That while the Spirit of God was well at work on one side of this equation, God was at work on the other side in the same fashion. I have contended for many years that the Spirit of the Lord that moved in the book of Acts, certainly in this 10th chapter, is the same Lord and God that we serve tonight. And if God could deal with Cornelius and his house and friends and acquaintances without ever even coming in contact with the church, so to speak, or prior or previous to that, then I believe that God can certainly do that very same thing today. That God can move in that same fashion. I would contend tonight in, in my faith, I say, in, in my prayer before church, my prayer was, Lord, I just ask you to let this word be alive and in our lives and in our world today. Amen. Cornelius was a man who was living for God to the best of his ability. He was doing everything that he knew to do, and apparently he was doing it right. In fact, he lived such a good life that I would just imagine that most of our popular world today would assume him to be a very religious man, and rightfully so. He was probably in some instances overqualified. In some ways. Yet as good as he was, he did not measure up to God's full plan of salvation. And I think it is so imperative that we understand the, the crux of this incredible story. Let's note his consecration. The Bible said that he was a devout man. 
He was a man that feared God, and that's certainly something to be said. It was not afraid of God, but a godly reverence and respect for the Lord. He prayed to God always. He had a consistent prayer life. He prayed so much, the Bible tells us in this story, that God began to deal with him and move in his life and impart to him spiritual things. I would think if someone today had such an experience or an equivalent experience, it would just be difficult for others to reconcile in their minds that someone that that spiritual would not measure up to the fullness of what God was expecting. Amen. Let me just slow down just a moment and say that again. If we knew someone this devout and this righteous or this religious and someone that even had this kind of an experience, it would be easy for us to doubt that someone in that condition could still yet be lacking in the spirit. But that's certainly what we find in the life of Cornelius. I want to just pause and say tonight that I don't ever want to get to a place that I feel like I have it all, that I have enough. Amen. I know there is a very delicate balance that we must find between being motivated to grow spiritually and allowing that to turn into spiritual frustration. I know there's a delicate balance, but I believe it's incumbent upon us and behooves us to find that balance and say, Lord, I want to ever be pressing forward and reaching for you. I want to understand everything that I possibly can about this book. Amen. I have, as you enjoyed the last couple of weeks of revival and not just a fresh voice, I don't think it was just a fresh voice and a fresh face, but I'm very thankful for the ministry of Brother Thomas. And as he began to unfold the truths of God's Word, it just it's just food for the soul, wasn't it? Amen. I've been dining on that, been trying to take advantage of that several times since our revival ended to just let the Spirit and the Word of God uh, just feed me, feed me. Amen. The Bible talks about this man that was so spiritual, yet there were things in his life that he lacked. And so I want to pray daily, Lord, I want you to help me understand that. I want you to point out things in my life. I want you to help the light of your word to shine in such a fashion that I see my weaknesses and that I see my flaws. Now, I'm not suggesting tonight that we just go around with a Bible and let that become a ball bat to just beat us to a pulp day in and day out where we have no confidence in our own walk with God and our relationship with God. I'm not suggesting that at all. I think that we should always, if I think we should always before we focus on our weaknesses, we need to focus on our strengths. That just kind of keeps us in balance. Amen. And so I want to think about the areas that God has enlightened me and the things that God has done in my life and should do in your life. But then I want the Word of God to just shine also and show me areas in my life where I can grow, places where I can extend and and stretch the tent, so to speak, and extend the cord. Here was a man that had talked to an angel about the ninth hour of the day. I'm not sure how many testimonies there are like this in this house tonight, but here is a man who unequivocally had spoken with an angel, and yet that was not enough. There was something lacking in his life. When Cornelius saw the angel, the Bible says in verse 4 that he just had one question, and that is, what is it? What do I need to do? I, I realize you didn't just show up for coffee. You didn't just show up for tea. I know that if you are visiting me, that you've got something to say. You've got something to share 
And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thy alms have come up as a memorial. What you've done has garnered recognition. And then in verse number 5, Beyond the praise of his prayer and beyond the praise of his commitment to him, the Lord said, here are some instruction. I want to tell you what to do. He said, I want you to send men to Joppa. And I want you to call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. Now he's lodging with a man who is Simon the Tanner. And he is, his house is by the seaside. And, and the Bible said that the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, This man is going to tell you what thou oughtest to do. He's going to tell you what you ought to do. Now, I, I, I don't want to take too much time here this evening with this, but, you know, when someone tells you that you must do something, that's kind of a command. When somebody tells you that you ought to do something, uh, that can kind of get in a gray area, kind of like, sounds like a suggestion. But before we get too caught up in that, I want to always remind us that we need to always consider who's doing the suggestion. If the Florida Highway Patrol is standing at your roll down window with your license in his hand and he suggests that you slow down, that's not just a suggestion. <laughs> that's a command that has kind of been robed in a suggestion. It's in your best interest that you slow down. Because if I catch you out here doing this again, then it's not just going to go beyond that. And so when the Lord said... There's a man named Simon Peter who's going to tell you what you ought to do. This is not just some mere suggestion. You know, if you get around to it, if you agree, if this falls within your channel of thinking or your train of thought. But he said he's going to tell you what you ought to do. And so some might be surprised that Cornelius needed to do anything at all. One would think that after such a, a, a livelihood of, of Bible reading and prayer and giving and sacrifice, that here was a man who just had a sure ticket to the front row. But that's not how God saw it. After the angel left, I, I love the succession of which you read this. The Bible says that he didn't just wait around and ponder on this for several days, let several weeks go by. But the Scripture says that Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier. And he said, I have a mission for you, and I don't want you to stop until it's done. He shared with them this experience that he had just had. He talked with them about this angel that had just visited him. I don't know how much of this they could comprehend, or how far out on the edge they thought he may have been. But apparently, they were willing to be commissioned by Cornelius. Now, meanwhile, I'm thankful for the meanwhiles in my life. Amen. I'm thankful for the meanwhiles in my life. There was a time that a drought had been spoken into existence by a prophet of God. But that drought had also been reversed now after a number of years. And the prophet told his servant, he said, I want you to go and I want you to check and see if there is a cloud that's gathering and once and twice and on and on and on. I see nothing. Finally, the Bible says that he went and there was a cloud. He came back with this report. A cloud about the size of a man's hand. That's all the prophet needed. Amen. That's all he needed was that word. And then he began to gather his things together, getting ready for a journey. I'm going to tell you that while the Spirit of God is moving, amen, in one place, the power of God can be moving on the other side of this equation. And it's what we do in the meanwhile. I don't want to just wait until it starts dripping, but I want to move in the meanwhile. Amen. Meanwhile, while 
while the angel of the Lord was speaking and giving Cornelius a vision that God had somebody else on the other line, so to speak. If there had not been a meanwhile in this story, had there not been another chapter, while all of this is going on, God is preparing another vessel. If there had not been another vessel, if there had not been another prepared vessel, if there had not been another willing vessel, this story would have ended much, much differently. But I'm so thankful that the God that can work over here is the God that can work over here. The God that can work within the church is the same God that can work on the outside of the church. And so while we're here having church and we're praying sincerely, God, I want you to lead us and I want you to guide us. I want you to hear our prayer. Let me just assure you of something tonight. While we're praying that, God is leading us and God is guiding us and God is hearing our prayer. Amen. Yes, He is. The Spirit of the Lord is moving and ministering and, and uh, while we may not hear the thunder clap and, and uh, the, the, the lightning flash across the sky, I can promise you that God does hear and answer our prayer. And God always is drawn to hunger. Whether that hunger is in the church or whether that hunger is on the outside of the church, God is drawn to hunger. And so I say what we need in order for the Lord to help us to achieve the goals that He would have for us to achieve is to maintain a hunger and a thirst after Him. Because the Scripture teaches us they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Those are the ones that are going to be filled. Those are the ones that's going to have the need met in their lives. And so while there are days that I have far more questions than I have answers, and while there are days that there seemingly are far more perplexing situations than there are, than there are answers for those situations, I ask the Lord, let me always be hungry for you. I don't want this to ever get old. But to ever get mundane, I don't ever want to fall out of love with the King of Kings. Amen. I want to stay in love with Him. And so I believe that God is drawn to hunger. Acts 10 and verse number 9. The Bible says, On the morrow as they went on their journey, they drew nigh unto the city. Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour, became very hungry, and would have eaten. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing carnal about that. I would venture to say most people in this house have eaten at least once today. And so there's nothing sensual about that. It's a very natural thing. He would have eaten, the Bible says. Amen. But while they were still making ready, while they were still preparing, he fell into a trance. And while in this trance, as the Scripture calls it, he saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit a great sheet knit at four corners and let down to the earth. At about the sixth hour, the Scripture says that Peter went upon the house to pray and became hungry. During this heavenly visitation, this time of spiritual significance, amen, heaven opened up. He saw a great sheet come down to the earth and it had beasts on it according to what the Scripture says, creeping things and fowls of the air. And a voice called out to him and said unto him, Peter, rise, kill, and eat. And he responded very naturally. This was not the spirit of rebellion in the life of Peter. But he said, Lord, not so, 
Because I have never eaten anything that is unfit or anything that is common or unclean. And then the voice of the Lord spoke to Simon Peter. And let's understand this is not just a cute story for the sake of a cute story. Amen. But this is a significant revival that is happening in the New Testament church. It is the changing of one dispensation into another. Amen. The closing of the law and the opening of grace. And so he said, what I have cleansed, call thou not. Don't you call that common. Don't call that unclean. And he wasn't just talking about uh, the, the, the animals that were in his vision because some of those could have been animals that were forbidden to be eaten under the law of Moses. And so he was trying to tell him, now what I've cleansed, don't call unclean anymore because that chapter is closed and another chapter is about to open. But in addition to the Mosaic law and the Levitical law, in addition to that that was coming to an end and something else that was opening up, he said, I also want you to understand that beyond just the killing and the eating of things you may call common or unclean, my message is going to touch more than just the Jews. I've got a message that's going to reach out into the Gentile world. And so Simon Peter has no idea the magnitude of what is about to transpire in his life. And so when we can take this bit by bit, step by step, we understand the power and the promises that God is bringing to the New Testament church. And so while Peter thought on this vision, I mean, he's trying to untangle this in his mind. That's quite a bit to be laid on you at one time. The Spirit said you need to get up and go right now because there are three men that are waiting on you. And he said, I want you to go and speak with them. And then he said this, and doubt nothing. Don't doubt what has just happened. I want you to just hold on to that. Now, it is easy for us on this side of all of this to kind of shout and hoop and holler and think, man, this is just awesome. But if you are to slip your foot in the sandals of Simon Peter, you would realize that God is asking of him a tremendous thing. He said, I want you to grasp what I have shown you. I want you to believe what I have shown you. I want you to understand that what I'm doing here is all right. It's outside of the norm, outside of the perimeter of even what's acceptable in this day. But I want you to move forward and doubt nothing. The Bible says, to try to cut to the chase of this, that Peter came down from the roof where he prayed and spoke with them and, and heard about God's visitation to Cornelius. Cornelius, of course, wanted Simon Peter to come to his house. So the next day, Simon and some of the brethren went to Cornelius' house in Caesarea. And when they arrived, they found his family. They were gathered there. It was a cottage prayer meeting, if you so, if you want to call it that, to put it in, in more um, modern terms, I suppose. It was a cottage prayer meeting. They were sitting there with great anticipation. Now, I want you to think about with me, if you will, that they had faith that Simon Peter was going to come to them. They had so much faith that Simon Peter would hearken to the call of their servants and of the Lord that they just went ahead and gathered up by faith. 
There wasn't a preacher in the house. There wasn't a teacher in the house. But they gathered by faith because they believed that God, what God had begun to work on one end, they knew that God, if God was doing this for us, He's already working on the other side. He said, I want you to go. He told him so specifically, there's one Simon Peter, and he's staying at Simon the Tanner's house that's by the seaside. You go call for him, and he's going to come and tell you what to do. And so I would pause here long enough tonight to say this, that we, the church, must be encouraged in the Lord, and we must be encouraged in the Word of God. Amen. While we are encouraged and while we are strengthened, we must also realize the tremendous mandate that is placed upon our lives. Because when the Lord says doubt nothing, we need to doubt nothing. And when the Lord says move, we need to move. Amen. I grew up hearing a song that said, when the Lord gets ready, you better move. Amen. <laughs> I think maybe a couple of verses says, you got to move, you got to move. But I think somebody got so intense after a while and said, you better move. Amen. Kind of sounds parental, doesn't it? I grew up hearing that. I grew up with that being ingrained in my spirit that when the Lord gets ready, we had better move. We had better be there. I don't want to miss that opportunity. And so when they arrived, they found, Simon Peter found Cornelius in his house. When he walks in, a few handshakes, the Bible says in verse number 30, and Cornelius said, four days ago I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon the tanner, a tanner by the seaside, who when he cometh shall speak unto thee. Immediately, therefore I send unto thee, Thou hast well done that thou art come. Or in other words, you've done, you've done the right thing, Simon. You have, you've listened to the voice of God. Now therefore are we all here present before the God, before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. When then Peter, the Bible says, opened his mouth and said, of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Would you, would you just uh, understand the value <laughs> Of this spiritual impartation right here. Amen. It, it may have not have been making a whole lot of sense up to this moment. Maybe Simon Peter stepped with a little bit of trepidation. Maybe he moved with a little bit of caution. But he began to perceive that God is no respecter of persons. I'm standing here in this house and God is about to do something marvelous. God is about to do something miraculous. God is going to step outside of the box that we label norm. And He is going to move His message into the Gentile world. Verse number 30, Cornelius begins to tell him this great experience, Simon. He begins to share with Simon Peter this great experience. He said, I've been fasting and praying. I've been seeking God for direction. And all of a sudden, a man in bright clothing came before me and he gave me instructions as to what to do. Cornelius, his response to that is, you've done well. You've done the right thing. Thank you for coming. Come right on in. We may say in our, in our modern vernacular and have a seat. Pull up a chair. I want to hear what you have to say. I wonder when we come into the presence of the Lord as we have here tonight, if we could 
If we could have the same spirit and the attitude and the mindset of Cornelius here at this very moment. Lord, don't just let us come here to be entertained or don't just let us come here, Lord, to just spend a few moments and X and I off of our calendar. But I say, Lord, come on in and let me pull up a chair and let me get as close as I can to this because what you have done for and in the house of Cornelius, you can do in my house and you can do for my house. I say to every mother and father in this place tonight, you will not, you will not pray too many prayers. You will not live a right, a life too righteously. You will not be too faithful to the house of God. Amen. I pray that the Spirit and the hand of God would anoint us and help us to realize that His household was saved. Because of his faith. His innocence, the innocence of his faith bled beyond more than just one man and just one soul, but it touched the lives of all of those that were there. And so I say, Lord, if my son can never say to me, Lord, I, I, Dad, I've never seen anybody throw a football quite with that spiral. I've never seen anybody throw a baseball quite with that accuracy of that speed. If they couldn't say, Lord, if Dad, I've never seen, I've never seen anybody shoot a rifle quite that accurately. He, he may not ever be able to say those kind of things, but if he knows that his father can pray a prayer and touch heaven, amen, that'll mean more than a football. That'll be more than a baseball. That'll be more than what I could accomplish from a three, free throw line. Or that'll be more than any antler set or deer head I can mount on the wall. And so I say, oh God, tonight, amen, I, I'm not preaching against those things, but I'm telling you the evening that if we want to affect our house, if we want to affect our house, then we need the faith and the hope that Cornelius brings us. Amen. He said, thou, Cornelius said, thou hast done well. You've done well. Amen. You've come. Thou hast well done. Thou art come. Amen. Verse number 33. Now therefore are we all here present before God. And here, here's what he said in verse number 33. To hear all things that are commanded thee of God. We didn't come here to be selective. We didn't come here to take a little bit of that and leave a little bit of this. But he said, we've gathered in this house with hungry hearts. Amen. We've gathered in this house. I'm not trying to be ridiculous, but I want to just vision in my hand, in my mind rather. Amen. They're sitting at the table, spiritually speaking. They've already got their, their bibs on. They've got a knife and a fork in each hand. And they say, we've come here for one reason. We didn't come here. We didn't come here to see who was singing, who was doing this, who was doing that. But we've come to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. In other words, Simon Peter, start talking. Speak to us. There are a couple of things I think that we should pause here for just a moment to consider. And that is that we should think about the personal consecration of Cornelius. The fact that there was a man that had been so righteous before God that God had allowed him to have this experience. And I want to say it again. God is drawn to hunger. When we are hungry for him, he will not turn a deaf ear to us. Uh, uh, in addition to that, the fact that Cornelius told Peter that he wanted him to tell the things. I want you to just say whatever God has told you to tell me, I want you to tell me. He meant not, not the things that are optional. I want you to tell me what God has commanded for you to say. In verse number 44, something incredible begins to happen. The Bible says that Peter opened his mouth 
And he began essentially to preach on this day, just like he had preached on the day of Pentecost. The Bible says in verse number 44, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. I'm telling you what I'm praying for today is that same Acts 10 experience to happen not just in the church at large, but I'm talking about happening in this church. Amen. Happened in this church that while the preaching, it doesn't have to be me, but while the preaching of the word, while they spoke these things, the Holy Ghost began to fall. Without a formal altar call, without this, without that, the Spirit of God just began to fall. Amen. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. They that were with Simon Peter, amen, were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. To understand that the Gentiles weren't supposed to get this gift of the Holy Ghost. This is not for them. But God is moving outside of their their train of thought. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnified God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. Notice verse 44 says while he spoke the words the Holy Ghost fell. Verse 45 note lets us know that the people that came with Simon Peter were as surprised as he was. Amen. They didn't ever anticipate this. They didn't understand what God was about to do. They were surprised because the Gentiles up to this point had not received the Holy Ghost. How did, how did they know they had received the Holy Ghost? The Bible says in verse number 46, which is the answer to that, they knew they had the Holy Ghost for they heard them speak with tongues. Amen. It doesn't take a theologian to put together that when somebody receives the Holy Ghost, they're going to speak with other tongues. This incident took place only a few years after the day of Pentecost. So this is still fresh in their minds. Acts 10 and 47, Simon Peter says, Can any man now forbid water that these should not be baptized? Which have received the Holy Ghost, he said, as well as we. Now consider something with me if you will. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. Why would anyone think that baptism is not important or not essential? When we see these two parallels to the day of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost and what's going on in the house of Cornelius is just almost shoulder to shoulder. And so on the day of Pentecost, when Simon Peter was asked, men and brethren, what shall we do? Without hesitation, Simon Peter stood up and said, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There was the, there was the commission, the command. Now the first thing Peter said after they, this was what they, he said right after they received the Holy Ghost. Now in the house of Cornelius, fast forward the tape just a few years, I'm thankful that the church had not drifted away from the foundation. Amen. Now, what was essential on the day of Pentecost was also essential in the house of Cornelius. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized? And so what he commanded to the thousands that were listening, he also commanded to just one single household in a private setting. Of course, he was talking about Pentecost in the second chapter of Acts. He said whenever, he said they've received the Holy Ghost just like we did when? On the day of Pentecost. Verse number 48, he and Peter commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Something that I want to underline here this evening is found in verse number 33 of chapter 10. 
the Bible says, we are therefore all, we now, now therefore, excuse me, are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded to thee of God? Amen. Simon Peter did not teach, talk, tell, or preach to them about things that were just, if you get around to it. If you want to do this. If it fits into the, into your mindset. But he said, we want to know what God has commanded. We want to hear what the Lord would speak to us. Amen. I realize I'm preaching for the most part to the choir tonight, as they say. But I'm going to tell you that we can't underline this enough to realize the value of what the Spirit of God can speak into our lives. You see, we can't just do what we want to do and hope it all comes out in the end. Amen. If you want to do that baking a cake, that's up to you. Because all you got to lose is a little bit of flour, a couple of eggs. You're just going to be out a few dollars. But when it comes to eternity, when it comes to eternity, someone said eternity is too long to be wrong. Amen. I, I want to make sure that I want to, I am doing what the Spirit of the Lord would command. They gathered with hungry hearts. And so this I say tonight, not only to us to be obedient to the Word of God, but I also want to leave this by way of passing. That when people ask us what they need to do, that's not the time to be bashful. Cornelius didn't need Dale Carnegie sitting in his living room. He needed Simon Peter sitting in his living room. Amen. Simon Peter wasn't there to win friends and influence people. He was there on a mission from God. Amen. I I, I mean that with all my heart. And so when the Spirit of God opens a door of opportunity for us, we need to speak the truth in love. But we need to speak the truth. Understanding that God had already been working on the other end of this. God had already been dealing with Cornelius. They just needed some instruction. Just tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Amen. I pray that God would touch us as a church, that we would both be obedient to His Word, hungry for His Word, that we would stand in His presence with that kind of hunger. But I also pray that the church would stand with that kind of courage and boldness. In this hour of, you know, whosoever will, and this hour of seemingly everybody's favorite color being plaid, we need some absolutes. We need some absolutes to be able to say, Lord, this is what we need you to do in our life and use us. Amen. Would you stand together with me tonight and let's just pray. We make an altar where you stand and let the Spirit and the power and the presence of the Lord just minister in our heart. Help us tonight to be obedient. Help us tonight, God, to be obedient to your word. But I also pray at the same time that you would help us to be courageous. Obedient listeners, courageous speakers, obedient in our heart, God, to receive your word, to be pliable, moldable. But I also pray, God, that you would give us the courage that we need to move forward, God, to stand, to stand upon truths, God, that will never diminish with time. They won't fade. I pray, Lord, your spirit, your power, your presence. Strengthen us tonight. In Jesus' name.
This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.